Hananian. Graphing scan tools are, are really neat. They're used in the right potential, used in the right opportunity, in the right placement. They really will help you fix the car. Here I come in The Car Doctor. Most cars, after they've got 4,000 miles on that oil change interval, the manufacturers in the owner's manual talk about checking oil level on a regular basis. Nobody does that. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, The Car Doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, come on in. Sit down. Ronnie Nadine and the Car Doctor at your service at 855-560-9900. The doctor's in. No waiting. You can get in now and give us a call at 855-560-9900. There is more information about this radio show at cardoctorshow.com as well as a list of ways and places to podcast tunein.com iheart.com itunes.com and if you need me during the week it's ron at cardoctorshow.com 2004 saturn came into the shop this week at ra automotive and it was one of those repairs that made me think by the way this is the repair of the week and paul's out there listening see i told you it one of those repairs that made me think about how the simplest of things can just go south in a real quick hurry. Car started out last September with the engine cooling fan running all the time. And as part of the diagnosis, the owner took it to a local repair shop and they did a thermostat to repair it. It had a P0128, some trouble codes, engine insufficient temperature problem, and it was supposedly fixed but it wasn't and i think i talked about this prior but here's the follow-up that happened this week so it started out with a while back it, it started out with a p0128 engine temperature insufficient um, the cooling fan was running all the time and it was a a thermostat repair but that didn't solve the problem and the fan kept running continuously and it ended up on my store doorstep two weeks ago with fan doesn't run right, fan doesn't fan runs on high speed all the time. And I, we talked about this, and I said, you know, and it got diagnosed that it was indeed had a bad uh, primary fan resistor, a drop resistor that uh, kept the fan running at low speed, and then it could switch over to high speed the way the PCM interpreted it, and you know, change from low speed to high speed relay. And for me, it was fixed, but that only lasted two days, and it, sure enough, it showed up back on my doorstep Monday afternoon with a problem about fan running all the time, but no check engine light. So I've got the same condition, but a different sort of symptom. I sat and I thought about it, and I always start my diagnosis at the beginning because that's where you got to go, and you've got to fix the car in front of you. And when I pulled the fault code, I had a P0128, same code, insufficient engine temperature, fans running all the time, but it was different this time. Because I could go in with a scan tool and control both low and high speed fan operation. So I knew the new resistor was working, 
and I knew the strategy that if uh, on a Saturn, Saturn really was a different kind of car company because if they saw any sort of problems with the cooling system, erratic reading, uh, erratic fan operation, incorrect fan operation, it just turned everything on and and just made the fan run all the time and it turned off the coolant temp gauge and it wouldn't work and I just gave you all kinds of warnings. But I knew the fan resistor was working. It wasn't that. But yet I had a uh, same code, a, a low engine temp all the time. Went out and graphed the thermostat and looked at the thermostat operation. And it started out climbing up normal operation. And it got to about 145 degrees. And all of a sudden it stopped. And it, 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 it went back down to 138 degrees. And then it went back up and so on and so forth. I had a bad thermostat. But here's the kicker, okay? Here's the kicker in that the thermostat, when I took it apart, fell out, and it was missing a retainer. It was missing a piece that was designed to hold the thermostat in. And again, I think we talked about this, that the last repair was done improperly. So it created... The stage, it set the stage for an improper repair done that created a condition of same symptom, same condition, but a different cause. The, the retainer for the thermostat, which is nothing more than a piece of plastic pipe cut off at an angle so it, it mates flush to the top of the thermostat housing, the, the thermostat retainer was obsolete, which is always exciting to tell the customer. But part number uh, 2447, 7777 from General Motors no longer exists. They found one, thank God for the Internet, and I put it in. And for the first time in nine months, the car had good heat, proper fan control, and no more fault codes. And the point of this opening conversation is, who's at fault? Obviously, it was the shop that put the thermostat in missed something. And when they had the part left over that was sitting on their toolbox, and they said, gee, what is this plastic sleeve for? I don't know. Or is it the aftermarket? Because they put an aftermarket thermostat in it, which wouldn't allow the retainer to fit. Did they create the issue? Or is it just lack of general common sense that if we're assembling something and it doesn't go together, do we get a bigger hammer to make it fit? And is that considered acceptable today? I'm not sure where the auto industry is going at times. I mean, I, I, I understand where it's going, but I'm not sure that we're all comfortable with it. We're all looking for a kinder, gentler way of, of life and a, and a softer way of repairing cars. I know I am. But it's coming down to the necessity of it's getting to be so exact and it's gotten to be such a science that no one can compete in it and more and more people are leaving it. And in the end, that's going to hurt you because you're going to have less choices about where to go and get your car fixed. And the cost of repairing that car is only going to go up. I looked at some of the repair bills this week, and I, I do every week. You know, it doesn't even phase me anymore. Spark plugs, wires, a coolant service, a trans service, and a set of wiper blades, $900. And you look at that and you say, how can that be? Uh, you know, when I graduated high school, uh, cars were $3,000, and, you know, a major service like that was 250 bucks. Why have things gone up threefold in the past 35 years, almost 40 years? And a lot of it has to do with technology because the price we pay to keep up with that technology just goes up and up and up and up and up. Gave the car back to the customer with the Saturn after I fixed it, 
and they called me two days later, and I recognized the name on the caller ID, and I went, uh-oh. And I picked up the phone, and I said, no, it can't be. And they said, you're right, it can't be. We just wanted to call and tell you that all the monitors ran because I educated them about the monitors, and the car finally passed inspection, something they'd been trying to do for the past four months because it was overdue. Another repair that made me feel good because not only did I repair the original problem that the car came in with, which was the bad fan resistor, but I also repaired the problem that somebody that thought they were a mechanic and tried to repair didn't and actually made a problem. The bottom line is, and Paul and Maggie trust me, they know me, we've got a relationship going back over time as, as car people. We see each other at cruise nights and they know what it's about, they get it. But I think about you, the average consumer, that may not have that relationship with the mechanic. How would you have handled that? Would you have sat there and said, hey, you know, you're, you're, you're ripping me off. You, you, you charged me money to fix the car, but you didn't fix it. Or would you have the common sense and the ability to realize, hey, you know, everything they're saying makes sense. They put it in the car. You see, part of the issue is a lot of you don't have a regular mechanic. And it's like not having a regular doctor. The regular doctor... They know your, your, your quirks and your pains and your picadillos, and they know what makes you tick and what upsets you, and they know how you looked a year ago because you got your physical, right? And now you walk into a repair shop you've never been to before with a problem that no one else can fix, and you're expecting it to be done yesterday. And it really is an unrealistic expectation, but in the end, not only does the repair shop suffer, but you suffer as well. I think... The time is here, it's overdue in my mind, but it's clearly here now and present, that more than ever, you can't trust that the mechanic in the bay is going to get it just because you say, here's my broken car, fix it. You've got to understand how they think, too. Because trust me, the guy on the other side of the counter, he's as complicated as the car. And he's as complicated as you are. And as much as you don't want to hear that about somebody you're handing money to, You've got to realize that the best relationship you can have with your mechanic is the one where you understand each other and you both know what to expect. Because in the end, that's going to help you get the car fixed better and easier, having one cook in the kitchen and one set of hands on the vehicle. 855-560-9900. I'm Ron Annie and the Car Doctor. I'm here to take your calls and answer your questions. Keep in mind that we are giving away a Wix 39 Ford Hot Rod Diecast car this hour. Harry assures me that he will pick someone from the list of calls this hour. So get in and talk to Harry at 855-560-9900 and stake your claim to that 39 Ford Hot Rod diecast car. Uh, more information about it at wixfilters.com. We are here to take your calls, and we will do so when the car doctor returns. Don't go away. Welcome back. Ron and Amy and the Car Doctor, 855-560-9900. Get out to Facebook and um, see what's going on there, too, I should point out. I also should point out that we've created a YouTube channel. We don't talk about it enough. 
But a lot of you are asking for videos, and I know Walt in Hawaii is listening. And, Walt, yes, you're right. I forgot to post your video about prior probe usage, and I am going to. I have it in edit, and I haven't gotten back to it yet. Uh, I'm trying to make some adjustments to it for some better clarification. But uh, my point is that if you get out to YouTube and look for The Car Doctor on YouTube, Ron and Enian, or The Car Doctor. Uh, we've got quite a few videos posted up there, and we're building a video library each and every week. We keep adding more and more and more. And um, also, if anyone has a particular, hey, I want to see how you do this, I want to see how you do that, send an email, ron at cardoctorshow.com, or you can put it up on Facebook and have a conversation there. And, you know, we'll be glad to try and accommodate you. There was also a question recently that someone sent in about a late model Ford Escape up on Facebook with the 1.6 liter engine about how tight the oil filter is to replace, which it is. It's a bear to get to. And lo and behold, I said, you know what? Next one I get in the door, I'll shoot the video thinking it would be three months before I saw it. It just showed up this week. We shot the video. That's an edit also. And I get that posted as well. But my point is, uh, don't forget there's a YouTube channel, which is where the Facebook videos come from. We link from there. And you can get out to uh, uh, Facebook, I'm sorry, YouTube where everything's getting very connected, eBay for T-shirts, YouTube for videos, Facebook for general information. Look at us. We're becoming an association. But um, the point is you can find more information on YouTube about the car doctor and also about fixing cars. Let's get over and talk to Melissa, Taylorville, Illinois. Some questions about tires for her 2010 Honda Odyssey. Melissa, welcome to the car doctor. How can I help? Thanks, Ron. You're welcome. It's past time to buy new tires, and I was just looking for some input. Okay. What are you looking at? Well, I stopped by the local tire store, and they continue to recommend what I've already got on there, which is the Goodyear Assurance Comfort Tread Touring. Okay. And then they also looked up a Firestone. It's an FR710. Okay. How many miles do you have on the car? About 141,000. That's not the original tire, correct? Correct. Okay. How many times have you put that Goodyear Assurance on there? Or is, is has it always been the Goodyear Assurance? Or these were put on at about fifty thousand. Okay, fifty five thousand. So they have definitely lasted way past their expected lifetime. Oh yeah, um, yeah. But I don't recall what we had on there prior to that. I'm sure that that first fifty thousand were factory originals, but I don't recall what they were. Okay, uh, you know when you say they're past, are they are they? Balled all the way around? Are they 5,000 miles past replacement? Two of them had had injuries, had had a flat tire and something else that happened, one of the other ones, and they had been replaced in the meantime, so they are considerably newer. The two that are original from the 50,000 are just plain slicked over. Okay. So let me ask this question, too. Has your driving habits stayed the same since you put these Goodyear Assurance on? Are you still doing the same route, the same, you know, commute every day, or is it is it different? What's Most weekdays is back and forth around town, and weekends we do a lot of road trips with travel sports. Right. So it's it's been like that for the past 65,000, 70,000 miles? Yes, sir. It's been pretty consistent. Okay. Goodyear Assurance is a good tire. Um, I like it. And, you know, one of the things, it's very important when you're picking tires that you've always got to look at, if you are if you live in East Oshkosh and you travel to West Oshkosh and you get a flat and a replacement tire, can you get that replacement tire on a, on a, on a Saturday afternoon somewhere? Um, kind of right. important. 
And it's why when I sell tires, I always try to stick with a name brand, something I know that you can get in either West, East, Oshkosh, or any point in between. So that being said, Goodyear's a good tire. The Firestone's a good tire. But I also want to throw one more in the mix, and we've been selling these for the past year and a half, two years, is the General RT Max RT43. And the thing I like about this particular tire is, uh, while it's like the Assurance, you know, the, the, the Assurance is kind of like a P-51 airplane. It's steady. It's reliable. It'll get you there. But mm-hmm. the Ultimax RT-43 is an F-14 in comparison because that Assurance has pretty much stayed the same over the past three to four years. The technology has kind of reached a plateau, and it's the same thing. And also keep in mind, be wary of which Assurance they're trying to sell you. Is it the exact same one? There's four or five different levels of quote-unquote assurance tires from Goodyear. So it, it gets a little confusing. But if you look at the Ultimax RT43 and look at it, uh, there's a couple of features in there that everybody kind of glosses over because I, I don't know if it's not explained properly or they're just they're not sexy, so everybody kind of ignores it. Um, the Ultimax RT43 from General Tire has something called Early Warning Visual Alignment Indicators, or VAIs. And what it is, they've 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 cast a molding into the outer edge of the tire. So if the tire is wearing unevenly because of alignment, you'll know about it before you actually hurt the tire, before you actually wear the shoulder down. So okay. it's, it's an early warning alignment indicator, like an F-14 has an early warning radar system. Same idea. All right? Okay. If, if you look at the face of an RT-43, you ever look at a tire and you see all the the way it's got traction and the way the tread kind of goes at, at, at a steady angle and, you know, tread, 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 and so on? Right. Well, the RT-43 has what they call an anti-slip design. They actually put more tread bars into the tire to give you more cutting edges, so to speak, so it gives you better grip. You know, think of if you put your take your palm of your hand and put it on the desktop and then prop it up on your four fingers and your thumb. All right, you know that gives you the grip by the, by your fingertips. Well, they actually give more you more surface area. Yeah, they give you. Well, they're actually giving you instead of five fingertips per hand, they they go on the idea that they're giving you fifteen fingertips per hand because they give you more edges. All right. Okay. Then last, they use something called low surface abrasion technology or LSA, and it's it's the way they compound and manufacture the rubber. It gives even tread wear and extends the tread life. So just some of the features that are in that Ultimax RT43, I would add that to the mix, see if they're available at your local tire store, what the cost factor is, and take a real good look at them. More information at GeneralTire.com. Appreciate the call, Melissa. I'm Ron Anany and the Car Doctor. We're back right after this. Welcome back. Ron and Andy, the car doctor, 855-560-9900. Hey, by the way, get out to eBay. Just letting you know in case you haven't heard, but we're selling car doctor T-shirts out there. Go look for Ron and Andy or the car doctor and get your very own. Take it home today. And uh, everybody's very happy with them. I noticed that uh, everybody likes the way they fit. We went and we got Gildan 99% cotton tees, and uh, they're printed here in the USA, front and back, two-color printing. Everybody seems very happy with them, and... Uh, I'm just happy to report that we've made them available on eBay because everybody wants to buy them. They say, you know what, we like the idea of asking a question, 
but we want our own T-shirt. We want it now, so no problem. We'll uh, we'll help you out. Let's go over and talk to Donald up there in New Hampshire, 99 Mustang, with some questions and problems about the odometer light. Don, well, welcome to the car, Doctor. How can I help? Well, on my 99 Mustang, okay, I've got a problem with the uh, mileage indicator light. Okay. It uh, used to be, it used to go out when it was, like, cool in the morning. Okay, and I only run this car in the summertime, so it don't And uh, now it's going out quite often when I start the car up. And after I run it a while, the light comes back on so I can see the mileage. Uh, I want to know if that's a cold printed circuit or something I have to replace the, the whole unit or what I have to replace. When you say the light's going out, Don, is it that the display goes blank, you can't see it at all, or it becomes it becomes a bunch of dotted lines instead of the numbers? When the display goes out, I can't see nothing. Okay, so it's a light issue that it's it's okay. Um, you're going to have to pull the cluster. And look and see. That is a printed circuit board. That is part of the instrument cluster assembly. Before you do pull the cluster, uh, I would just ask your mechanic to scan codes and make sure there's no communication, no network U-codes in there, just on the chance that there is a communication fault here causing this. But it sure sounds like it's a problem with the cluster itself and the ability for the, you know, the LEDs to display properly. The only reason I'm cautious here is this particular car has a known problem where the display will put up dotted lines instead of mileage, and there is a communication fault code in the instrument cluster, um, either a 1043 or a 1262, that talks about communication problems between the cluster and the PCM. But from time to time, that will also come up with problems regarding no start at random or perhaps spark issues, things like that, performance issues. And I'm not saying that's you. I'm just saying it's it's on the it's on the periphery of what we're discussing here. So No, this this wouldn't have a problem with maybe a loose connection or something that's that that's broke and when it's cold it Sure could. Absolutely. And and sometimes these particular problems are best found, you know, when you pull the cluster, when you get to the point where no communication faults okay, you know the cluster has to come out. Um, it gets sets out to an electronic cluster repair facility with a description, hey, cold it does this, warm it doesn't. And right. and I've also pulled these clusters and sat with a magnifying glass. Sometimes you get lucky and you'll see the crack in the board, you know, and, and you know, um, the extremes you have to go to. But, you know, if it's duplicatable or repeatable, one nice thing is, what you can do, what I will do in a difficult to explain or an intermittent problem like this, the next time it happens, take a video of it with your cell phone. And I've emailed the repair facility and said, okay, here's what the cluster does. Bang, a picture's worth a thousand words. And they get it. They know what they're chasing, and it does help in the process. Yeah, uh, that would help out. Now, how much of the job is it to pull one of these? uh, What did you do for a living? What do you do for a living? Are you mechanically inclined? Yeah, I no. used to be used to. Yeah, it's yeah. not it's not the worst thing in the world. Um I always I always say this, pulling a cluster compared to pulling a dashboard, I'll pull a cluster on anything any day of the week. It's 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 never that bad. Take your time. You, you know, you're going to have to find a blow up of it exactly how it comes apart. You got a couple yeah. of plastic tools so you don't hurt the dashboard and uh, obviously doing it when it's warm versus cold, uh, you know, outside you're less likely to crack and break some of the plastic. That's good. That's good. All right, sir. 
Yep, you have a very good show. And every chance I listen to it. Thank you, sir. We appreciate it. All right, if you need anything else, send me an email, ron at cardoctorshow.com. I appreciate the call, Don. Let's go and talk to Marty in Big Cabin, Oklahoma, with some questions about a 66 Valiant. Marty, welcome to the Car Doctor, sir. How can I help? Good afternoon, Ron. I'm working on uh, retrofitting my old 66 Valiant, and I'm tossing up between keeping the existing exhaust, which will provide the heat base to the intake manifold, versus going to headers, which would lose the heat base to the intake manifold. And I'm just wondering if I'm going to get enough gain out of the headers uh, to make up for what I lose in uh, fuel dispersion from the, the intake heat. I would, and first of all, this is not an uncommon conversion. You know, I remember back in the day, and I'm dating myself, but one of the fastest cars in the parking lot 35, 40 years ago was some guy with a slant six Dodge Dart. Uh, you yep. know, and you say to yourself, "No, it can't be." Oh yeah, this car screamed. Oh yeah, I can. Yeah, uh, this this car this car really honked. And he had headers on it, and he had done a bunch of work to it, and he had fabricated a box that channeled heat from the headers to the base of the intake, and then he also changed the intake. I believe he had an Edelbrock, or maybe it was an Offy, an Offenhauser intake on it that you know converted everything over. So you well, know, this thing, yeah, this the one I'm working on has got a, a, just a single barrel. And I'm switching over to a two-barrel on an aluminum intake that I pulled off of the 79 Valari. Okay. Um, you know, why can't you Why can't you weld some... Remember the old days with the Thermac uh, cardboard air tubes that took hot air off the exhaust manifold and put it up to the air cleaner so that the Thermac door would open and close? Marty? Did we lose Marty? Oh, rats. We lost Marty in Oklahoma. No, wait. Maybe? Still here, you man. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Marty, remember the days of the of the cardboard tube for the Thermac door on air cleaners? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got it. So why can't you pick a spot on the header? And you can make this pretty. You can doll it up. You can do however you want it. Um, hit your local salvage yard. Find a, find a couple of exhaust manifold shields that, you know, have that tube mounting. And, you know, create your own tube. You could make a header on top of a header, so to speak, and it would just duck the heat Perfect. up off the header, feed it into the base of the intake, you know, weld a couple of nipples on the bottom of the intake for the tube to attach to. It would just look so, it would look space age. Think about it, right? And um, you'd still, right. you'd still have heat dispersion. That sounds, like a, really, that All right, sounds sir. like a really good idea. I sure appreciate it. All right. Hey, listen, Marty, I'll tell you what. Harry gave me thumbs up. Stay on the phone. We're going to be sending out the 39 Ford from Wix. It's a 39 vintage Ford Hot Rod 118th scale, and um, it's the only customized 118th scale 39 Ford Coupe Hot Rod on the marketplace, and it's a replica of what many consider the most recognized ultimate American hot rod. So uh, from the folks at Wix, more information at wixfilters.com. So you stay on the line and let Harry get your information, and we'll send that car out to you. I'm Ron Anany in the Car Doctor. I'll be back right after this. Car Doctor rolling along this hour. Let's go and talk to Ken, Palm Springs, California, 1994, BMW 318i. Ken, welcome to the Car Doctor, sir. How can I help? Oh, thanks, Ron. Uh, this has got 136 miles on it. 
Now it cranks, but we get no spark in cylinders two, three, or four, and a real weak spark on the first cylinder. Okay. I tried using the stomp method to get a code reading. That's where you press down on the accelerator yeah, five yep, times. Yep, 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 yep. The cheap way. <laughs> but uh, I'm at a loss now. Okay. Does it does it have injector pulse, Ken? Uh, I haven't tried that. I need some clues on where to get that stuff. Um, well, you know, let me let me send you let me send it over to your local O'Reilly Auto Parts store and tell you to buy a few things. And uh, okay. one of those things would be biomechanic stethoscope. Okay. All right, you know, you'll, you'll spend fifty to a hundred dollars on all this. Buy a mechanic stethoscope, buy an ex, buy an extended spark tester. Basically, you're looking for it's a it's a spark plug with a grounding clip attached to it, but it's got a specialized longer gap on it, so it stresses the ignition system out harder than than it would be if the plug was in the cylinder. It replicates that. Um, which okay. is which is a more accurate method of doing it. Or they also make the spark testers that allow you to open the gap so you can adjust it. So if it's a 25, 30,000-volt system, you can open it up to that. If it's a 50,000-volt system, you can open it up to that and so on. So that being said, all right, um, a spark tester, a stethoscope, do you own a digital volt ohm meter? Do you own uh, DVOM? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And 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 the reason you want to use that is as as old as this car is, this was the beginning of oops, don't do it any other way but with a DVOM because the impedance uh, factor will create a problem with a computer and blow a driver and you'll be gotcha. you won't be eating out for a while um because you'll have yeah. to go out and buy this PCM. So that that being said, all right? Um the first thing we've got to decide is do we have no spark and injector pulse, if you have the stethoscope, while somebody's cranking it, you can listen. Click, click, click. You'll hear the injector fire, all okay. right? But nothing will come out, all right? One of the quickest, easiest ways to, one of the quickest, easiest ways to determine that, mechanics, stethoscope. That's that's number one. Oh. And, you know, we could go down, we could have the conversation about annoyed light and uh, set up the DVOM with, you know, on the on the harness for the injector and, Look at the rise and the peak, and we can overanalyze oh. this. Let's let's go quick and basic. I always like to pretend I'm on the side of the road if I'm trying to get something done. So, oh, okay. you know, where do I have spark? Where don't I have spark? All right. Mm-hmm. What's what's common with these when you start to get to well, it has it has no injector pulse and no spark and weak spark on various cylinders. There are known issues for the ECM or the engine control module. All right. Okay. And what happens is, and let me ask the question this way, has this car been in any heavy rain, or did it go through a car wash perchance? Oh, not that I know of. Okay, has it been sitting for a long period of time? Yes, yes. Okay, and uh, where was it parked, outside, inside? Yeah, outside. Outside. Um, Do me a favor, just go look for the ECM. It's located uh, just ahead of the glove box. In the firewall okay. there, on the, on the, uh, and you get to it from the rear of the engine compartment, there's an insulation panel and an access door. Oh, okay. See if it's soaking wet in there. Oh, okay. All right? If it's soaking wet, there's a good chance that this ECM is ruined because it got wet, because it was sitting outside for a long period of time. Wow, okay. All right? So don't rule that out. You see, part of the problem is it was sitting outside. Uh, how, how long was it sitting for? Well, it's a second car for him. My my buddy owns it, right. uh, so it's been deferred maintenance for a while there too. So. Yeah. How long is it, how long has it been sitting outside? Three months, six oh, years, somewhere in between. A few years. A few years. Yeah, about five years. 
Okay. Uh-huh. Um, did you did you happen to, you know, change the fuel in the tank? Uh, he hasn't actually. Okay. okay. Because the fuel in the tank, if it's been longer than three months, uh-huh. uh, gasoline today loses its pop after forty-five to sixty days. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's not it's not the greatest stuff under the sun. So uh-huh. yeah. Um, it's, it's, it, and it's been sitting how long? Did, did I hear you say five years? Yeah, about five. Been, okay. Didn't run a few times, but not much. All right. When was the last time it ran? Oh, that was a couple, three weeks ago. And it started this, uh, just cranking, but no start. Okay. So this can also be unrelated to the spark issue. Is there contaminant in the fuel tank that we've now pushed yeah. into the injectors? Uh, you know, I'd love to pull a fuel sample out of this car. I'd love to see, you know, what sort of spark don't we really have, <laughs> um, which is where I started with the same conversation. And, you know, I get it. I, I guarantee without even knowing you, Ken, you were a car guy in another life and you just like to tinker and you're just trying to, you know, how how bad could this be? Hey, I can get this going. It's my buddy's 94 BMW. It's an old car. Yeah. I should be able to fix an old car. That's how you're thinking, right? Yeah. And it's a, you know what, it's good for you. You get to thump your chest and strut around a little bit and be the automotive stud on premises. I understand all that. But you need a couple of basic tools to do it. If not, you look right. you look really cool in front of everybody going, oh, yeah, stethoscope and spark <laughs> tester. You know, so you can find a list of what I'm talking about. Get out to O'ReillyAuto.com or get, okay. get down to a local O'Reilly Auto Parts store, and you'll see a list of some basic hand tools. I tell everybody, if you want to play with cars like this, like you're doing, that's great. Spend $100 or less, buy some basic stuff, stethoscope, spark tester, Noid light, make sure you got a DVOM, and you're good to go. Good luck to you, Ken, and don't forget, get a fuel sample on this car. Might be very, very interesting. 855-560-9900. I'm Ron Anany and The Car Doctor. I'll be back right after this. car is automatic it's systematic it's hydromatic widespread lightning welcome back we're on any in the car doctor 855-560-9900 is the phone number keep in mind that that number is 24 7 i know i say this each and every hour each and every week but i just want to make sure everybody understands that we drive the point home that that phone number is there for you if you've got a car problem during the course of the week, and, gee, Ron's not on the air because you know that it's Saturday afternoons, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time. But you know what? Call 855-560-9900 and leave a message. Our producer, Fast Harry, will call you back and get you in the lineup for the following week, and we can talk live about it and uh, help solve your car problem because that's what this radio show is really all about. I know I've also kind of beat the point home this hour and this today about T-shirts, but just a reminder again, if you're looking for one so that we get less emails about it, not that we mind, but we don't want it to get lost in the shuffle. And I know some people expect an answer, but there are Car Doctor T-shirts available now out on eBay. Just search Ron and Anian or The Car Doctor, and you'll find T-shirts up there. And uh, one quick email. This email comes to us from Tom up in Newburgh, New York, about automatic transmission fluid. Hey, Ron, I've got three different cars in the family, and I went to do a trans service myself about a week ago, and I'm finding that I have to purchase three different kinds of trans fluids. 
Can you tell me what's right for my car and why do I need to use three different types of transmission fluids? I go back to the days of the same fluid for the same car, one size fits all. Tom. Tom, one size doesn't fit all. One type of fluid isn't correct anymore. And a matter of fact, I went out and best explanation I can give you, the best thing for you to read is get out to Atra, A-T-R-A, Atra.com. That's the Automatic Transmission Rebuilders Association. They've got a great article posted there, ATF fluid, what type is right for my car. And it goes on. It starts off by saying automatic transmissions use a special type of oil called automatic transmission fluid. This fluid has a number of duties, and this is why there's so many different types of fluids. The duties are lubrication, cooling, and clutch application. And you see, ATF is a very versatile fluid, like the article says. And number one, that's why it's so important to have good, clean fluid. But number two, manufacturers are trying to achieve different things with their fluids, which is also very important. And that's why there are so many different types of fluids. Again, get out to Atra, A-T-R-A.com, Atra.com to read more. I'm Ron Anany in The Car Doctor. Thank you for allowing me to be part of your day today, and I appreciate it. Until the next time, the mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya. See ya.